Welcome to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello and thanks very much for downloading this podcast. I'm Mark Stephen. Every week I pop up here and tell you the obvious, that things are not normal and that many businesses are currently finding things difficult. Now, we all know that, but what can you do to make things easier? Well, one possibility is to reduce, or at the very least, dilute your fixed costs. Joining me now to discuss how and why you might do that are Peter Cook, Director, Food and Drink and Agri Opportunity North East. Now, that's a private sector economic development organisation which works with all the other economic development bodies in North East Scotland to grow the economy beyond oil and gas. Peter farms with his wife near Inverurie, breeding ewes, finishing lambs, cereals and forage crops. David Stephen of Red House Farms near Old Meldrum was a beef and sheep farmer for 10 years before adding fruit production to the enterprise. The farm has since diversified even further with a shop uh, initially to market the fruit, but which is now, normally, open 12 months of the year. He and his wife Sarah also run a wedding venue. Peter, I'm going to start with you for a start. Define for me fixed costs. What are fixed costs? Very simply stated, they are the costs that do not vary directly with the size of your enterprise. Now, it sounds like a very technical definition, but it's in contrast to variable costs. So variable costs, they vary with the size of the enterprise. So if you grow more grain, you need more seed. But if you increase the size of your cropping area, you don't necessarily need another employee. You don't necessarily need another tractor. So your fixed costs are solid units of cost that sit at the core of your business. Is there a way of calculating fixed costs simply? There's a classic way of laying it down and you know to any any farmers listening, I you know, I think it's definitely the thing you should do. And that is to categorize all your costs into four or five headings because there are standard percentages we would expect for those. So your variable costs are all the Input costs that vary with the size of the enterprise. So you can work those out. They should be, for a mixed farming business, about 30 to 35% of your output. Then you come into the fixed costs. And we tend to categorize them in four groups. There's labor. So that's uh, full-time labor, fixed labor costs. That's an obvious one. There's power. And power takes in everything you could imagine as power. So it's machinery, it's machinery depreciation, it's machinery repairs, it's fuel, it's electricity. Everything you can manage that provides a kind of motive force to the running of the business. Overheads. So that's a kind of catch-all. So it's all your insurances, it's all your property repairs, it's your accountant, all those miscellaneous costs. And then the last, the fourth category, is fixed charges. So they're really the cost to do with the owning and operating of your land and your assets. So fixed charges are rent and interest. So those are the four categories for fixed costs. And if you work out what your total number is for each of those and divide it into the output for the farm, you'll get a percentage. And that's a really important number to have because there are ranges that we would tend to look for in a healthy business. David, across the range of your own businesses, how does that translate? I mean, do, do you know what that figure is? 
Yeah, no, certainly I know what the figure is. I was absolutely dreading what Peter was going to come out with. I was going to be miles away from it. <laughs> but they, um, thankfully, he didn't, he didn't divulge that. But we have, um, it's slightly skewed somewhat by the business, the farm businesses provides the finance, for instance, for other, for other ventures. But our fixed costs are um, 24% of our costs, which I don't, know actually whether that's good or bad. Peter, I'm sure, will tell us. And within that, we'll break it down as well. I've, I've actually separated. And the power, we have 23%, wages, 28%, bank and things associated with the bank, about 15%. And then depreciation, we've got separately at 15%. And then the rest of it is, is, is bits and bobs that add up to the, the total. I don't actually like overheads at all and I, I, I try as much as possible to get them out of there and put them in as a variable costs. It gives you a, a more accurate allocation of, of where they should be. So for instance I do have labour in there and my permanent labour is in my overheads but all my labour which I use for the fruit in the summertime which is, is vast I put in as a variable cost against the fruit production because I think that it would really skew everything if I, if I didn't do that. How do those figures sound to you, Peter? I know they sound really interesting. And, and Dave's got a particular uh, type of business because, you know, with the fruit there, there's a lot of labour employed. If you put that into the fixed cost, it would provide a big fixed cost figure. But there's a variable cost in, you know, in, in how he's looking at it. It's uh, captured in there. But I think you said, Dave, your total fixed costs were what percentage? 24%. So 24% is a low percentage. In a traditional mixed farm, we tend to lump labour and power together, which sounds like a really you know, ridiculous thing to do. But certainly as a percentage, they tend to tie together. And we would expect those to be 30% of output. And we'd expect all the other overheads, you know, that's the property repairs, insurances, to be about 8 to 10%. And then fixed charges, which is rent and interest, to be no more than 15%. Yeah, again, the fruit skews the thing completely yeah. because out of the 24%, 80% of that is fruit costs. So it does it does skew the thing completely. That's on our variables. I think that's a really interesting point because the, there are no typical businesses. You know, the, the percentages, uh, you know, I've spoken about are based on averages. And if you've got a very traditional mixed farming business, they'll fit. But if you have a, a business with a pig unit, you have a totally different set of percentages because you've got high output. And actually the fixed costs, some of the fixed costs look really low. So if you add you know, an intensive enterprise, it changes the whole structure of the fixed costs. The key, the key bit is to do the numbers and uh, to know where you are. Presumably the clue is in the name, fixed costs. You know, they are extremely difficult to reduce because they are fixed. So how then, Peter, do you go about diluting those fixed costs? What does that mean? I, I know that's a really horrible term, to be honest. Uh, you know, diluting them, it, it sounds as though you're, uh, you're kind of hiding them. What you want to do is to really tackle them. The classic way to reduce your fixed costs is to reduce them per unit of output. So you produce more. You know, our whole industry has tended to intensify. So 
you know, I've spent money on a certain uh, range of equipment. I've uh, got uh, two employees. What I need is uh, another 100 acres or another 50 cows or we'll build another shed and increase the pig unit or we'll look for another enterprise to add to that. And those are all sensible and worth thinking about strategies. I think the danger in our industry is that sometimes we have underestimated the costs of increasing output. You know, we tend to think, well, you know, it's it's not going to cost us more in machinery and labour. But to house those extra 50 cows, well, we've had to stick 30 of them somewhere where we don't really want to stick them. And the performance of those cows gets affected as a result. Or we rent land that's 10 miles away and we've underestimated what that does for the time availability in the business to actually service that and do the job well. And the thing it's always underestimated is management time. There's usually one manager, the farmer, and it's being able to apply the manager's time well, which is a critical bit. And if you try to dilute too much, you know, we'll just expand, 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 then you overstretch the management capability and time and don't get the performance that you're expecting. So that, you know, that's a classic way to do it. No, let's just increase. And if that's done well, and that's what we've all done, if you look across Scotland, that's what we've all done. All farms have increased in size and in output. But you you have to be careful and planned in the way that you actually do it. And I think that brings you on to another kind of question about how you actually remove some of the fixed costs in our businesses. And how do you go about doing that? Actually, I mean, Dave's a good example, and, and Dave can tell you better than me, but, you know, he's got a large-scale sheep enterprise. He's chosen a breed and a system that can manage itself to a greater extent than we would have done with uh, sheep in the past. So he's lambing outdoors. It's a breed that uh, lambs easily, uh, look after the lambs well themselves. So he's actually reduced his need for fixed costs. Uh, I hope he's going to agree with me in a minute by thinking about the fundamentals of how you expand and getting the livestock to actually do more of the job for us. Because traditionally, you know, to, to run 1,200 ewes, you needed a, a, you know, a reasonable workforce and a lot of sheds to house and lamb those sheep in. And by really looking at the fundamentals of the choice of the breed and the design of the system, you can expand without you know, a huge increase in fixed costs. But I'm sure Dave would have, you know, some comments to make. David, has, has Peter left you anything to say about your own business? <laughs> the one thing I, I think is quite interesting about this subject is that, that, that people talk about economies of scale and Peter kind of brushed past it a bit there. And there, there rarely is. And, and very few of the businesses does, you know, bigger mean better. In our fruit business, for instance, we have one member of staff who is permanent, and that's really the only hard and fast fixed cost that we've got. So the dilution of him is not actually that important. But the way that I look at it is is kilos, and, and whether that's kilos of beef or kilos of lamb or kilos of fruit that comes off the farm, and I think that that's probably the most important measure that we do every year here. 
and we try to maintain that or increase that. And we're looking for the production per acre, certainly with the cattle and the sheep. How many kilos are we getting? What are the value of those kilos off each of the acres that we're farming? Peter used the sheep as an example, and I'm in in agreement with him. You know, as costs rise, the sheep are are somewhat protected from it. You need a a motorbike, a dog, a shepherd. And the, the way that we are doing it, the system that we've got, you can add, you know, within reason, another couple hundred yards, and it doesn't really make any difference. You know, the limiting factor is how much grass you've got in summer. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with Peter. How often do you review, David, the, the economics of your farm? How often do you actually look at, you know, what the fixed costs are, what the variable costs are, and so on? We do it more and more, actually, and we've changed our software, our financial package a few years ago, and the information we're getting from that now is is incredible. And it's cloud-based. You can see it wherever you want to, whenever you want to. And, and, and it gives you everything as percentages of increased costs, lower cost, you know, increased or reduced costs as a percentage. And it'll do it on a monthly basis, on a, an annual basis. The projections that it makes as to where you're headed, where you are now compared to where you were this time last year, it's just at the press of a button. So we analyze it quite a lot. The fruit we do... Our biggest cost is is um, labour, and at the end of the year, again another software program. We analyse that and say, what is our cost per kilo of strawberries produced or per kilo of raspberries produced? It's a constant, ongoing thing. Very easy not to do it, but uh, there's quite a lot of enjoyment in looking at it. Sorry, enjoyment. <laughs> I quite like it. Yeah, yeah. You're a strange man, David Stephen. A strange man. <laughs> Peter, what role does diversification play in this? You could say it's another classic route really for spreading out one particular fixed cost, and that is the living demands of the family. So if if the business isn't big enough from a farming point of view, then what many, many of us have done is to add an enterprise, another income stream. So in a way, you're you're diluting your fixed costs, though, though adding an enterprise that's unrelated to the farming is not really related to those fixed costs. But what it's doing is it's it's saying, well, you need you know 40,000 a year to live. You're only going to get 20 or 30 from your farm. So you, you add an enterprise to to generate the 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 margin to cover your own fixed costs, which is your your uh, living expenses. And that's been a very successful thing for many people. There are lots and lots of good examples across the Northeast here and across uh, Scotland. I do think that the critical part of it, however, is having the management time and capability. So if you look at successfully diversified farming businesses who've added maybe a food manufacturing enterprise or, you know, you could look at at, at Dave's business, you need management expertise to come in. Sarah, Dave's wife, is very heavily involved in the business. Look at many other businesses that are a son or a daughter, uh, wife, another 
uh, member of the family who's providing the, the kind of management capability to really grow the diversified bit of the business. So I think that is actually the really critical bit because, you know, if you're not making enough income from your farm and you think, right, what we'll do is, well, you know, a tourism kind of enterprise to it and it's the same person who's trying to manage it all, then that's really tough. So that's, you know, a real danger in going down that route. So I think, you know, in a farming farming business, if, you know, the sheer costs of the business are an issue, the first thing is to look at the, the way the, the farming business is structured and uh, get it correct and then look towards the diversification that's going to grow your income, grow your business, bring other members of the family in and make a, a bigger success of the whole thing. David, as Peter was saying there, you and Sarah have diversified a fair bit with you know the shop and the kitchen and the, the wedding venue and things. How do you calculate what sort of investments are going to be value for money? It's been a kind of organic growth, really. One thing has led to another. As Peter said, you know, at the start, you decide what standard of living you want. And from there, how much work you actually want to be doing yourself. Do you want to do it all yourself? And or do you want to employ people? And from there, we decided that we would do the fruit. It was diversified, but it was still farming. And it was seasonal as well. And it takes a lot of boxes for me. From the fruit enterprise came the shop, which was a fairly obvious move. We went, you know, initially to a burger van at the side of the road and then, you know, added to that with ice cream machines and stuff. And we needed a more permanent building for it. The diversification is one thing, but as Peter mentioned, people playing to their strengths, you know, the shop and the wedding venue would not be the success that they are had it not been for Sarah because she is a people person and she works, you know, that's what she enjoys doing. I prefer working with sheep. But the, um, <laughs> so how do we decide whether it's a, a good investment? I think that you can overthink it but it has to work on paper. You have to have a kind of figure in your head as to what will be your income and and what will be your cost. It's very, very difficult to put on a new enterprise accurate figures together. You can do all the fact-finding you want, but whether people will stop at your shop or whether people will book weddings with you is a little bit of hit and hope sort of thing. I remember well the wee van that used to sell raspberries out of uh, just outside Barra Castle there, uh, because of the distinction of being possibly the most dangerous place to stop for raspberries in Scotland. As you tried to pull in off the road or out off the road and what have I mean, folk were doing it all the time. It was extremely popular, so the, the shop was logical. I've got one last question. I'd like to put it to the pair of you. I'll probably come back to you, David, for a start on this. Why are we talking about reducing or diluting fixed costs rather than raising prices? Raising the prices is somewhat out with our control. We can charge a slight premium for selling a product in our shop, which is harvested and and, and sold within the same day. It's perhaps a bit riper and perhaps tastes a bit better than the product that you'll buy in a supermarket. Uh, We sell our beef and lamb both through um, Morrison's, and we think that we're getting, especially at the moment, getting a very fair price for it. But there's not a lot that we can do about the prices, really. More and more, they become world prices. 
I listened to an, uh, another podcast quite recently, and, and um, it was a guy from Australia, and he had a very interesting point, and it was all about you know reducing costs, and he said that you can reduce costs to a certain extent, but his thing was all about more production, and that if he upped his production by 10%, as opposed to decreasing his cost by 10%, his income was about double. And I thought it was an interesting way to look at it, that, you know, we're fixated about cutting costs. And if we increase our production, whether that's by making a better job of what we've got, rather than doubling or, or increasing the, the volume of our production, I, I think we can get to a better place by doing that, by just making a better job. If you are producing agricultural commodities, you know, cattle, sheep, grain, even into the fruit and the specialist crops. We are price takers because we're competing with so many other people producing uh, almost exactly the same thing. You can't influence the price. And each of us individually are very, very small in the marketplace. So it's a pity <laughs> we can't affect the price. But that's it. You know, we are, we are price takers. And as Dave said, there's a lot of scope for folk to improve output per unit and therefore margin from each unit of capital they employ. So whether that's per acre or per cow or per you. So that's you know an easier route to really focus on and go down. And I think for most folk, that's going to be the, the best way to focus themselves. I do think personally that there is something about how we reshape our enterprises in the future so they don't need some of the fixed costs that uh, we've assumed we needed to have in the past. And that's not an easy thing to do. But I think there's an enormous change happening in the breeding of livestock, for example, that will achieve some of that. So there's a, a really important piece to, to do in uh, looking at how you don't build a heap of costs around about our systems because of the failings of the system, but you change the shape of the system so it doesn't need the same level of fixed costs. It sounds a bit cryptic, I know, but uh, I think there's a, a trick for us in the future. Possibly something we can come back to in a future podcast. It sounds interesting and plenty to think on there too. David, Stephen and Peter Cook, thank you both very much for talking to me. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, I'm going to be talking to Martin Kennedy, NFUS President-elect, and Peter Moss, NFUS Next Generation, about their vision for agriculture. Until then, I'm Mark Stephen. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Call to Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.com. .co.uk For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. <laughs>